welcome audience we're gonna use a, a gender neutral term here to the melanated minds podcast this is your host chris lockhart i'm joined with my co-host ash the spoken hello everyone and welcome let's to, get this started so yeah. episode two episode two in the bank yeah <laughs> took a minute took a minute for us to get here <laughs> but you know but, uh, on your side of things we did it perfectly on time yes that's all yes that for sure so um you want to st- you want to get right into the the main topic or do you want to let's uh let's let's see what's uh what's been going on in life any anything new anything drastic or interesting happened the last since we last spoke uh there's been a few things um for one i uh actually started getting back into playing pokemon on my phone oh pokemon go no like (laughs) i downloaded um an emulator and i've just been playing pokemon on it like an like actual not actual Pokemon games. They're called ROM hacks. They're like fan-made Pokemon games. And for the most part, they tend to be better than uh, actual Pokemon games because they're designed like they're more difficult and like they're designed for people that are already fans of Pokemon and not children. Well, this is a whole new world for me. I did not know this was this was a culture at all. Yeah, no, I, but I've been playing ROM hacks since 2009, so it's it's like I'm kind of just like tapping back into it. <sighs> the original ROM hipster. <laughs> nah, they've been like mainstream since like at least 06. Yeah, well, what else has been going on other than throwing your pokeballs around? <laughs> um. Other than that, not much. You know, this trash weather is starting to pick up. But, you know, I'm looking forward. Are you, are you a fan of Thanksgiving? Because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Uh, I'm definitely not a fan of the weather. Thanksgiving, I wouldn't say I have any, like, ties to it. You know, I, I, I like free food. I like the platters. Not a Not a turkey fan, but... I'm very curious as to why this is your favorite holiday. Well, I mean, you already covered most of the bases. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, free food. Turkey is ite. It's ite, but you know it's healthy. So you can have a lot of it. And I don't know. I just like the concepts. I don't know. The historical stuff is kind of sketchy to me. But just a I'm a fan of the concept of, of being thankful for everything you got in life. You know, just. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. It helps when you're, when you're having a bad day. It, hel- it helps to uh, remember that, you know, you do have positivity in your life. You got to you just got to recognize it. Now, does your family do that thing where you go around in a circle and have to say what you're thankful for? I feel like we used to do it. I don't think we've done it in a while. I mean, I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in like about like 
two years because of COVID. Oh, uh, true. So I'm looking forward to it because spending the holidays by yourself is ass, bro. Yo, tell me about it. Last uh, last Christmas, my mom went on vacation, so it was, and it was also kind of last minute for me too. So it was just a definitely an an awkward Christmas, not doing it with a huge family. But right, right. That's how it be. Um, you know, on my end, things have been pretty okay, I would say. My uh, cat got into some trouble this morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was leaving. I have like an, like an office in my apartment. And I was leaving the office. And I look on the ground and I see an odd chunk of bread on the floor and i'm confused because i'm like there's i don't think there's any bread in this apartment or like where this would have come from and then i remembered at six in the morning last night i was hearing a lot of noises in the kitchen so i got up and I had Chinese food last night, pretty lazy dinner. And my cat's head was like deep in the Chinese bag. <laughs> and yeah, he does this. He's a he's off the street, so he's always on the hunt for food. And I grabbed the bag and I put it up and <laughs> I think nothing of it until I find this bread and I realize that I completely forgot that there was that I left an egg roll in the bag like before I went to sleep just forgot about it so I'm confused I'm like okay well here's a piece of the egg roll but where is the bag the egg roll is in like there's just no evidence and so I pull the couch out and this man has the bag to the egg roll in you know some Chinese spots give you those little like crispy like wonton chips. Oh, I love bag. those. Yeah. yeah, the crunchy like <laughs> the crunchy chips, yeah. Uh, the bag of that was also torn open under the couch. So this man took two trips onto the counter to like bring these food and hide them under the couch so he could keep munching on them throughout the day. Um, so that was an interesting discovery. He was put on treat timeout for the day. Yeah, I can understand that that's uh it seems pretty on brand for your cat to get himself into trouble like that yeah you you've met my cat right you uh, yep. you know he can be a uh, quite the little shit sometimes but we still we still love him for now for now <laughs> just for now yeah well next thing you know y'all might put him right back on the street Listen, I've I've threatened him just like my mama used to threaten me <laughs> back in the day. But guys, we gotta we gotta some things to talk about today. We decided that the overall sort of theme or topic of this episode would be the quote 
money doesn't buy happiness. And we have a lot of un- things under the sun, under that quote that we'll, we'll kind of go into about. But that's the overall theme to keep in mind. Um, I think we have here, we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences just in the professional world. Maybe some advice there for uh, you know, POC or just anyone listening in on how we navigate the professional world. Um, but yeah, I guess we can we can start there. What were what were things looking like for you after we graduated? Oh, bro. <laughs> Thing after we graduated was and to the listeners, I I'm not trying to cast any like doubt or anything like that if any of you are about to graduate college or just start your working life in general um this is just my experience that i can speak on but things were rough things were pretty rough for your boy um i graduated and immediately took on a part-time job which was okay at first because i didn't have to pay any rent my bills were pretty uh, low, so I was doing all right. And then I had to start paying rent, so I had to get a second part-time job while I was still on the job hunt for a full-time job. Uh, so I was just, you know, grinding basically every day. And then I got a third part-time job, and honestly, all three, like, it was pretty doable because I only did one of the jobs on the weekend. So, like, my week wasn't too bad, and then the pandemic hit, and that's when I lost all three jobs and ended up unemployed by summer of 2020. So, things were pretty rough at the beginning. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I guess not fully, but I had had somewhat similar situation. Um... You know, when we graduated, we had our apartments through through most of the summer. And, you know, I really dropped the ball on trying to, like, apply for jobs before moving back home just to be prepared for when I moved back home. And, you know, I remember when I finally started applying, I was like... All right, this, everyone talks about, you know, I had friends who were like, I went six, seven months without finding a job. And I was like, nah, that's, that won't be me. Like, right. you know, there's so many things that come up when you look for a job. And especially when you're young, you get in that mindset where you're like, all right, there's like no way I'm not going to get in at one of these places. Right. Um, you definitely don't realize until you're on the other side of it how many people apply to these jobs um you know now we have linkedin where it'll show you a job can go up and two hours later it'll be like 25 people apply to this and you're just like hey the whole application takes 25 minutes (laughs) like how how did this even happen true Um, true but you know how did you manage kind of that anxiety of waiting for 
you know, managing rejections, you know, kind of going day to day waiting for something to happen. So all of this, there's a few things I want to talk about um, on this topic, but I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer your question first. Um, it, not well, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, <laughs> I was pretty miserable for a while until I finally, until I got my third job, which was something, which was like an office job. So it was something more in line with what I was expecting from like post like undergrad employment. Um, it was pretty rough dealing with, I mean, a lot of companies just straight up ghost you. Like they don't tell you if you got the job or not. They just don't respond. Um, I had a couple of times where like I had a phone interview, but then I got, ended up getting rejected and I had to like reach out to the place that I applied in order to like get closure. Um, yeah, like a lot, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure when I was first starting out and applying to places, like my resume just immediately got tossed in oh my God. the garbage or deleted. Um, it was just rough, you know, it's rough to deal with all that, but um, you got to have resilience. You just, you got to have resilience. Resilience is really important for life in general, but especially when it comes to dealing with rejection um which a huge lesson that i took away from my first part-time job um the job was essentially a call center but we weren't selling anything we were just like call like we were doing cold calls Mm -hmm. and asking people to it was a research job so we were asking people like research questions but it was still cold calling you know you get a lot of people hanging up on you a lot of people cursing you out for wasting their time a lot of like a co- i had a couple people that like fucked with me for a while before hanging up <laughs> so you just gotta like that those experiences i feel like really taught me a lot about real life situations and dealing with disappointment and rejection that whereas in, in school i never really was given the tools to like overcome that that's kind of like you know, a lot of people would, or a lot of my teachers would just say like, "Oh, just wait until you enter the real world," and I never really understood what they meant. Right, right. And once you do enter it, you realize how much of a bubble you were in as a student. And yeah, the world's tough. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's also you talked about your resume, and I'm with you a hundred percent. Like when I look at what my resume looked like in college (laughs) versus now. And then I also think about like how much of kind of like a cocky shit I was back then. Like I thought my resume was the shit like back then. But when I look at it, even from a formatting standpoint now, I'm just like, well, if, if I was a job, there's no way in hell I'd hire me like based off of this. Um, But yeah, you know, it's, it's, like you said, it's crazy. There's almost no point in education, depending on what you're majoring on in school, that prepares you for life. Um, the high school I went to was all about like college prep, like being ready to tackle college as an A student. 
but there was never any sort of you know tools in place to prepare you for being an adult um i know we had once like a life class my senior year and the whole point of this class was to prepare us to be you know self-sufficient adults in college and bro when i tell you this class is such a waste of time like one time we learned how to change a tire, which is really important. But when you're about to go off to college, you've never been on your own. Um, for me, I didn't even have a damn car. Like learning how to change a tire was not at the forefront of tools that I want, <laughs> you know, right now. Right. Um, and I think we had a whole class on how to do laundry, which you know, I'll remind you, I went to a, a very wealthy PWI and, you know, speaking to all my POCs out there, or you know, most, some of my POCs, you know, I have been doing my own laundry long before senior year of high school. Um, so that was a waste of time. But, you know, I'm, I'm there with you. Like, that anxiety is definitely hard to manage. And even now, you know, I, I'm in, in a job transition in the moment. Even now, when I like to think I've gotten past that anxiety, every day that passes, every rejection that you get, sometimes you really just be like, damn, I, I ain't shit. <laughs> uh, right, right. And I think some helpful thing to keep in mind is how like how fucking quickly things turn around um yeah you know my first job i wasn't hearing i was either getting rejections or i was just being completely ghosted not hearing anything back and then i ended up getting an out of the blue an interview from a company i had applied to a month prior and you know, it had been two and a half months of absolutely nothing and then an interview process of like two and a half weeks before I had a job. Right. Um, and, you know, that job was kind of crazy. I was traveling the country doing photos out of airplanes. So, like, wild times, I, I agree. I think you have to be able to trust yourself and... Be open and honest with not only yourself, but with these employers. You know, you got to realize um, I've been on the other side. I've been in a position where I've interviewed people and, you know, you'd be surprised. You, you talk to you talk to like three people a day and they all kind of have that same like that same I I'm in an interview personality, you know, like like that SpongeBob. Hi, how are you? <laughs> like <laughs> um you know they see that all the time they see people putting on this facade this interview facade all the time so i definitely urge people to be themselves um not be afraid to show weakness because that will you know show it in a smart way but I definitely think that will put you, put you above the rest. In right. Um, I would also add to that. 
I think that kind of ties into um, what I'm about to say is definitely also know how to market yourself. I'm not saying like you should claim you have all these skills and that you don't have, but uh, find a positive spin on any weaknesses that you think you might have. Um, and also do an internship. I wish I did one. <laughs> Okay, but would well here's the question, because this was my issue. Would you have considered an unpaid internship? Uh, honestly, it depends on. Mm-hmm. I would I would say it depends on what field you're trying to go into. Um. If you're doing anything that's highly like specialized and technical, I would consider doing something unpaid as long as it wasn't too demanding. Like if they're making you work essentially a full-time job, like fuck that shit. But right. <laughs> if they let you come in a couple hours a week unpaid just so you can get hands-on experience and uh, build like desirable skills... You know, that's that's more understandable to me. I agree. I just wish, and I don't know how other schools do this. I know Drexel, I can talk about that a bit. But I, I wish our school had a system where, like, at least my my major had a system where the internship, um, the internship program just replace what would be class time with inter- internship time because that was the reason why you know I, I also regret not doing internships but that was also kind of the reason why is because I was largely financially supporting myself so any time like any free time I was working um, and there weren't really internship opportunities where like um, I don't know. It's it's definitely like it was definitely a more difficult decision for me because it's like, man, I gotta I gotta eat tomorrow. Do I really want to run this entire company's social media page for like three credits? You know, like yeah. But you know, sometimes people make those sacrifices and it works out. Uh, I agree with you. I think it depends on your major like what field you're trying to get into and also right. what that return on internships usually look like. Um, yeah. 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 That ROI. Um, <laughs> it definitely can give you a leg up if you're graduating, if you have a, an internship or two under your belt, because that is work experience and you should definitely should market it as work experience. Um, another thing I want to circle back to though, is uh, I currently am in a, spot where i'm gonna be able to interview people to hire them for you know a a part-time job in my department and i'm interested in talking to you about you know being on the other side and how it opened your eyes to like the hiring process and how do you make hiring decisions and things of that nature uh yeah i mean I think the thing that is unfortunate is how much of it is subjective. I think 
I think when we're on the other side, we like to think that if we have a lot of experience, if we have a lot of solid skills, that pretty much guarantees us a job. But it's no different than how you pick who you want to be friends with or who you want to be in relationships with. You just, out of your control, pick up on a lot of nuances that you make associations with and then make judgments off of when you're interviewing people. So like there can be someone who is highly skilled, but when you're coming from a mindset of, I'm hiring this person, this is someone I'm gonna work with, there might be a lot of like personal things that you subconsciously judge them on. And I say my, I say my experience is also different because this was during the pandemic um, I mean, I guess technically it's still the pandemic. Yeah, I was but, about to say, <laughs> yeah. can we clarify yeah. like the during the pandemic thing? Because it's still going. It yeah, whenever stopped. I say during the pandemic, I'm referencing I'm referencing the shut when everything was still shut down. Um and like functioning as yeah, and like, functioning as if a pandemic was going on, like it's not now. Um we'll just state that going forward. But so all my interviews are happening over Zoom, which is, uh, as someone who has been interviewed over Zoom, I feel like it's harder to be myself, kind of. Um, 100% agreed. So those are things that like, I notice about other people. Like Someone might have good credentials, but they don't really show any personality over Zoom. So they only talk when I ask them a question or they give me like, you know, one word or not one word, one sentence answers to a question that I'm looking to dig deeper in. I also had one dude who was straight up wearing like a sweatshirt, like his school sweatshirt, which, which is like, Okay, it's Zoom, but at least, like, at the very least, throw in a polo. Like, I'll throw in a polo for an interview. Um, you know, I don't care if you're in a full-blown suit at that point because I know you got on nothing but your boxers on the lower half. And then I get stuck <laughs> thinking about that the whole interview. Um, don't do sweatshirts. Still, you want to still conduct yourself as if it's an in-person interview. Um, of course. And I think, again, not being afraid to talk, not being afraid to give complex answers, and that comes easier, again, if you're honest with yourself and you trust yourself and the things that you're saying. And I guess from you being on the side of things where you're going to be conducting these interviews, I'd say... I'd say trust your gut because not everyone is extroverted, but I feel like it's hard to like verbalize, but I feel like you can still tell if there's an introvert that you think is extremely engaging and will be a great fit to your team. And as someone who's like a mix of both, 
I love it when I'm definitely feeling introverted, but um, I can tell there's someone or people like gravitating like to my presence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I also ignore people who do all the regular bullshit, you know. Uh, you know, you got to remember people who interview are probably talking to candidates, many, many, many candidates every day. Like they're a recruiter. That is literally their job. So don't walk in the same shoes. If someone's like, what are your weaknesses? And you're just like, my weaknesses are that I'm just too perfect. Like, oh, or, yeah. or like, yeah, uh, right. Or uh, I'm just such a perfectionist. Like, everyone says that. A lot of people say that. Be honest about your weaknesses. But then what Chris said earlier, and it's smart to, like, write this out. Figure out ways to turn those either into positives or into learning moments. Um Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing, when I was interviewing for my current job, um, I actually did, this is probably the first time I actually did proper research on how to interview for a job. Um, don't ask me how I've, I've gotten <laughs> this far without <laughs> having to do that, but um, I, I tried to take it as seriously as possible. So I looked up, I, I did, I took from like a couple different websites, like different interview questions. Um, cause I, I went through three rounds of interviews. So I needed to, uh, what really helped me was writing the answers to questions I found online and not repeating the same answers that I gave in the first interview. Even if the questions were similar, mm-hmm. I would try to build on that rather than just regurgitating the same canned response. Um, so I would definitely recommend doing that. I definitely recommend if it's a job that, you know, you're serious about getting, write a cover letter. Um, that definitely helps with setting yourself apart from all the thousands of resumes that I'm sure recruiters are drowning in. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd also, as unfortunate as it is, and I haven't taken this advice myself because to be honest, fuck that, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm not sure if this is specifically the right term to apply to this, but keep in mind similar tactics to SEO when you're doing your, cover letter and resume because a lot of major companies run um, run their resumes through programs that pretty much pick out keywords that are in your resume and gives a percentage on like a match like a match percentage how well your resume matches the position. So one thing that's smart to do is read over the job posting and the description, the qualifications, and try to get a lot of that 
language and key phrases in your resume and cover letter. Now, I would definitely say if you if you are applying to like one type of job, you should do that for your resume. If you're applying to like multiple different things, like I don't know, maybe you're looking to go into HR or you're also looking to go into something customer service that make two different resumes that have that language in there um, because a lot of times your resume just goes straight in the trash pile not even because of your skills or your experience but because you didn't use the proper words now again like I said fuck all that I'm not <laughs> doing that like I'm not about to sit here and take three hours applying to your job um, but that's also my opinion you know sometimes it takes doing a lot of that to get the dream job um but that's good advice because that's honestly something that i wasn't aware of until more recently so just passing that along to, to all the people out there uh, experiences being poc at work or during professional processes um now i'm not gonna front with the audience being black in a professional setting it had brings its own unique set of challenges um <laughs> i i'm glad that i'm male because i couldn't imagine dealing with being black on top of being a woman uh in the workplace uh, but that's a whole nother, you know, conversation. And we'd have to bring someone on the podcast to really get into that topic. Yeah. But um, which we'll do in the the future, of course. Yeah. Um, but like I could tell you right now, <laughs> some of the interesting shit I've dealt with um, in the workplace. Um, one person that I worked with who recently retired um i remember one time I, I came to the office with a fresh fade right your boy was looking nice <laughs> and he kind of stared at me and then kind of like looked at me from different angles like i like this man literally walked in a semicircle around me oh my god staring at my head and then he kind of he, he just did he asked bring out me, the like, protractor huh <laughs> He brought out the protractor. <laughs> I think he, I think he was minutes from doing that, to be honest. Um, but then he asked me, he's like, "What does that mean? Anything?" What? And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Your your haircut does that mean anything?" I was like, "No, it's it's just a style." And he was like, "Oh," and he he kept about his day. You should have said this was the a passed down. A passed down immaculate fade from my ancestry. I should have. Um, I should have just told him it was a Wakanda cut. <laughs> Wakanda cut. Start speaking in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I literally exact same. Uh, just the same story. My my manager at my first job. Mind you, I've had the same. You know, varying hair lengths, but I've had the same haircut 
for like six years now. So, and this was probably two months into this job. This also happened. Um, he came in and like saw my hair and like stopped dead in his tracks and was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I like that. That type, that's my, that, he was like, that type of cut, that's my thing. And I was just like, what? I was like, uh, thanks. But I mean, my hair has looked like this for the last two months <laughs> that we've interacted with each other. Uh, but okay. Uh, but yeah, that yeah, was so a very similar experience. You, you definitely deal with weird microaggression shit like that. Um, it's just like, it's, it's not quite overt enough to like be any like type of thing. But it's still low-key, like rubs you the wrong way. And uh, calling back to our last episode, that kind of ties into what we were talking about um, with the Death by a Thousand Cuts. Um, it's just little things like that that generate a sense of otherness that can kind of weigh you down, especially, you know, you're at work for, you work full-time, you know, you're working eight to ten-hour shifts. You don't want to deal with work on top of bullshit like that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I will say that I give my manager some credit because... He the, I'd say he was one of those like, lit one of those like, like I, I don't know one of those liberals who's like, with the movement, but they still engage in a lot of microaggressions because they're not actually educating themselves. They just know they're down with what's going on. Um, That's just a liberal to me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> But by the boss of the whole company was, you know, full on conservative, anti vax, or actually, my bad. No, I don't know if he's anti vax, but he was anti COVID being like a real serious thing. Um, I think it's safe to assume. Yeah, he's, it's very safe to assume he's probably anti vax. Though we have government, they have government contracts. So I don't know if he is allowed to be anymore. But, um, shout out. I, I wasn't in the office this day. I was traveling, but shout out. He did wear a BLM shirt into work one day, but was promptly called into the office by the CEO and was told that, quote unquote, someone came forward complaining about your shirt. So to like protect. I guess, like, employees' sensitivities, I'm going to have to ask you to remove that shirt. Now, obviously, he had a backup shirt, but wouldn't that be fun? Like, I've always... For context, too, my manager is white, so that's probably why he felt comfortable doing that. But, like, from that moment, I wish I had... I wish I was bold enough to have done this. When I heard about that, I was like, damn, like, I should really wear, like, come decked out in the BLM wear. Might even fuck around and put the Black Panther suit from Spirit on and <laughs> come, come into the office and, like, and just hope, just hope, hope, hope 
he asked me something like that. Like it became a fantasy at one point. I just sit in the office all day daydreaming about what I would do in this situation. Uh, I feel like it would turn into that uh, that Kevin Hart moment when he confronted his teacher and he was like, uh, my mama told you, mind your damn motherfucking business, bitch. <laughs> he was like, he was practicing it in the mirror and everything. I feel like that was me just getting ready to take down the the man if confronted. Right. But uh, I didn't. I wasn't bold enough for those type of moves back then. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it, it's like I feel like a lot of it just comes with age, like just learning how to not give a fuck. But you know all that. Um, speaking about um, things happening during like pandemic times, what was the workplace like for you? Because during most of the pandemic, um. I was either working remotely or unemployed, um, so I did not get much of a office experience in the pandemic. Well, I can say it wasn't the best. So, like I said, in my first job, I traveled a lot. Um, usually, I was gone for a month at a time, and I was in Pittsburgh context on that i live in philadelphia but i was in pittsburgh when they say the world shut down when they started requiring masks and doors um you know all the other loose quarantine rules that happened in the u.s and my company pretty much didn't give a fuck you know like i said my boss was very anti-covid being serious like you could literally hear him on the phone in his office talking to people being like yeah i I just don't know why people are freaking out so much it's it's just like the flu like (laughs) all the the typical comments that you hear but what was funny about him is that he would use the pandemic against us like he only cared about it when it meant he could be negative towards his employees. And I think an example of that is, um, uh, like he, I don't know, he had like a box of masks in the office that people had the choice to wear, if not. And then this man in one of the morning meetings, he literally came out and he was like, you know, I, I have something serious to talk about. So, um, I've counted uh, this this box came with a hundred masks and I have counted that there are only 26 left but I don't see anyone in here ever wearing a mask I just want to remind everyone that these masks are for the office only like no one is allowed to be taking these to use outside the office and he's like you guys should really take this more serious and th- this is what he said He said, I have a friend who got COVID and was on death's door. Now he's back and he's perfectly healthy and he's fine. But then like continued on. And but this man didn't give a fuck about the pandemic and any other situation. And I think just to show that uh, I had the pleasure of being remote for about 
two and a half months when it became like more of a requirement for certain businesses we went remote and to be honest the job worked much much better remote um just how our business really just how our business model was because i mean we only we only flew when the weather was perfect like no clouds no rain no snow so you know if there wasn't any photo editing to do we spent a lot of times literally in the office sitting there digging around for eight hours um so in my mind you were saving a lot of people time and also saving operational costs by not having us just sit in the office and waste resources um and only come in when the weather was good uh but the second and i mean the second that the government was like offices people can bring employees back if they don't have the infrastructure for remote my boss was like send us all an email on a friday send us all an email on a friday after being remote for two months and was like we're going to start a phased like a phased plan for bringing employees back to the office starting monday the following monday damn and was like here's a list of everyone that's in the first phase and chris i I kid you not every employee's name was on that list yes (laughs) like i don't think that's a phased return um wait 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 so it wasn't even like one day a week. It was no. It was full, like back to full time in the office. So what kind of phasing is he referring to? Uh, that that was the hilarious thing about it. And I also mind you, the the rules were you can bring employees back if you are unable to do remote. But you know, like I said, our business model worked just perfectly with remote work. Um, but yeah, that uh. That man is a full-on Trump supporter, full-on everything, and sorry if you if you listen to this podcast and you are, I don't care if I hurt your feelings. Also, if you're a Trump supporter, maybe you're not listening to Melanated Minds, uh, <laughs> unless you thought it was sure ain't <laughs> shit worth uh, for you. Unless you thought this was like a, a farmer's podcast on watermelons and cantaloupes. But uh, <laughs> you're surely wrong when you hear two brothers <laughs> talking. But uh, That's for sure. But yeah, yeah so talking about um, all the trouble you go, with, you, you go through just to get a job. And all the trouble the job brings you. And you do all this in the name of money. Uh, that, that brings us to our, our overall point. Money doesn't buy happiness. I think I think it's a little nuanced, in my opinion. It's way more nuanced than that. What do you mean? Like the, the quote? Yeah, the quote itself. The sentiment that oh, yeah. money doesn't buy happiness. I wouldn't agree with that fully. Yeah, I am... I'm fully with you there. Um, I 
I find it ironic that I think the people that parrot this quote the most come from uh, wealthier backgrounds or have had a lot of good luck in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think what's I think what's I think what people don't think about when they say this sentence is that it's it's not about I don't think it's about money. I don't think I don't think the quote in itself is about money. And what I say by that is I think what it means is that anyone on any socioeconomic scale can experience mental illness. Um, And I find that this quote is used mostly by either people who are wealthy or people who see wealthy people who aren't happy and believe that, you know, something related to money is causing that unhappiness. And I think that's doing a disservice to real conversations about mental illness and real conversations about um, the wealth gap that we have in this country and in the world. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that before I continue my tirade? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm all for, you know, speaking on class, class issues. Um, that that could be its own, you know, episode in itself. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, like you said, a lot of people that, well, I don't want to paint, you know, with such a broad stroke, but whatever, this is my podcast. (laughs) Um, I do think a lot of people that already have privilege or didn't have to work, um, as hard for the, for what they have in life, um, have kind of have that sentiment where just because they're unsatisfied and they already have wealth doesn't mean that it's the money's fault. You know, I think happiness to me is really an internal issue. You know, of course. it really is something that only you can solve, uh, which I guess does tie into the whole money doesn't buy happiness thing. But I've, but with, with resources, you can put yourself in an easier situation to be happy. Yes, of um, course. Um, and I do think that, you know, if I didn't have money or if I didn't have income, I would be significantly less happy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's like the piece of the puzzle that's missing is that while money, like why wealth, while wealth doesn't solve mental illness, um, money and wealth inequality is either a factor or the sole reason that many people who aren't wealthy aren't happy, you know? And I think a lot of people miss all the pieces in that. You might live in an environment that is, 
you know, low on the economic scale. It's not producing good quality of life. It's not producing good education. And your own financial resources keep you bound to that area, which, you know, has all these pressures acted upon you all the time that cause unhappiness. You know, you're stressed out about how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay for a babysitter? How am I going to pay for food? Um, am I going to get robbed walking down the street? Exactly, you know? exactly. Like, all of these things come from, well, I mean, historically they come from a lot of things, but in in a present moment, someone's position in the that space comes from a lack of resources um, to be in a better better situation, and obviously, you know, moving to the suburbs might solve those things. But there's a lot of a lot of social, you know, a lot of social problems that come with that too. But I just find it interesting that we parrot this phrase so much, but I always feel like it's either used against. I guess, quote unquote, the poor or used to garner sympathy from people who are wealthy, but not, you know, happy. Right. Um, I would agree with that. And I think it allows us to keep, I think it allows us to keep this, like keep poor people poor. If, if we as a society have come to the decision that Money isn't the thing that's going to make you happy, you know, like look at all these rich people who are just as unhappy as you or that that's how they probably feel. Um, and so I, I, I think that's that's why I like that topic. I definitely don't support it. I think it's bullshit um, because it does. And honestly, I, I look. Think... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. No, no. Um... Continue what you're going to say. I was just going to say, I think it's kind of like this statement itself, money doesn't buy happiness. I feel like it's touching on two different, I, I feel like the sentence, like it, it, those two shouldn't even be in the same sentence. Like, I feel like people don't, to me, money is not the end goal. I don't think it should be anyone's end goal. Otherwise, you aren't much of a, you're kind of a shallow person, I feel like, just um, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, you end up like know. Elon Musk like, or uh, or Jeff Bezos. Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Like, at least Elon Musk, like his money isn't his objective. His objective is to get to Mars. Yeah, but Bezos, I feel like your objective I I feel has like to Bezos be money to story. achieve that goal. No, I I hmm. get that. But what I'm saying is, anyone with just the purpose of their life being yeah, getting is getting money is not a very deep person that like it's just i just i feel like how i view money is i view it as just a tool all it is is a tool just like any of my other tools um i think it's something i can you like you know you can obviously the definition is you exchange it for goods and services but you can do a lot more with that with money than that and we can get into that on a different pod or a different episode um but i feel like it's a very useful tool for either discovering what you actually want to do with your life or for 
making pursuing what you want to do or your purpose easier. Right. Um, and that kind of ties into a whole separate thing about work-life balance and like giving so much of your time away to generate the money you need to do what you actually want to do and how it, is that worth it or not and all kinds of other things. Yeah, and, and again, like who who are the people that suffer the most in that grind, you know, like, and that's another thing, like for people that have to grind just for enough coin to stay afloat. It's uh, miserable. Yeah. I, I, I used to do that. <laughs> and that's, and that's a lack you. of, that's a lack of resources. That's a lack of money that can be causing your, you know, your displeasure in life. Um, you know, which is why I said earlier, I agree with you. These don't belong in the same sentence. This is a com- This is two separate conversations. One about money and equity, and one about mental health, mental illness, and mental health. And they play into another. But I, you know, it's like um, what's it called? Like false causation. Um, so it's like a misleading. Like yeah. it's misleading. Like I feel like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this whole money doesn't buy happiness thing should even be a conversation. Well, it should be a conversation because it's, it's for a podcast. <laughs> but I feel like they're two different, two different things to talk about. Yes, I am with you. Yeah, well, this has definitely been a great conversation. I think we got into some important advice. Definitely. Um, You know, I'd say kind of as like a small recap, as a black person who's had to navigate work life and the professional world, I've always felt like I have to work twice as hard three times as hard or I have to as other people or I have to go such a significant further mile to defend my experience and I guess not like prove that I'm worthy but I feel like I feel like I'm never taken at face value you know (laughs) Um, as some of my other counterparts are. So I yeah. think it's it's unfortunate that the work... I mean, it's both fortunate and unfortunate that the work world is so subjective because we still live in a world that's um, sexist, homophobic, misogynist, all the all the buzzwords and... A lot of times people who hold those stereotypes are the ones making these hiring decisions, at least in my experience. A lot of times they can't, either they can't get past your skin color or it just takes them longer to realize it, but like behind whatever like um, stereotypical ideas they have about you is like an actual person i don't know if that 
I don't know if I explain myself. <laughs> no, like, I like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like it, it's difficult for them to get past how you look to the point where they can't even see the person you are. Right, right. And I think that's a, a lot of us have that fear. That's a very fair fear to have. And the best I can, you know, it sucks, but the best advice I can give is to always be unapologetically you, be smart, be tactile, and keep, keep going that extra mile because unfortunately you're going, you yourself are going to be the only one that gets you into the position you want to be in even if you have to kick the door down no mm-hmm. one's just gonna let you walk in yep so you need to learn you need to learn how to advocate for yourself knowledge is power and internal knowledge is power like be real with yourself know your strength know your weaknesses and use all of that to your advantage and that's that's a recap of my advice yeah, um, I'm. I'm. To be honest, I'm not going to recap my advice. Just listen <laughs> to the podcast. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, what is? What is it? Rate us. What, what's the thing? Rate us five stars. Yeah. <laughs> on whatever platform, we still need to figure out what platform this is going on. We'll be on all of them. Rate us five <laughs> stars. Don't even listen to it. Just rate us five stars. Yeah. But uh, this is. It's been a good one. This is a. Uh, sure. Any final tidbits? Anything it can be something positive, something related to what we've been saying. Yeah, um, you just keep your head up. Um, always use a condom. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just just hang in there. Just be resilient. Um, what always I, use I a almost said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I'm not gonna say that because that is cliche as fuck. What um, kills you makes you, makes you dead. Yes. Yes. We'll go with that. All right. This has uh, right. been Melanated Minds, episode two. Keep those fades clean or you'll be checked out in these streets, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone, have a good one. All right. All right peace out. Peace.